Hello and welcome to Spectology, the science fiction book club podcast. I'm your host, Adrian. I'm Matt. And I'm Seth. Seth. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Uh, each month on Spectology, we pick a book and talk about it and read it over two episodes. Uh, this is not one of those episodes. We're doing one of our <laughs> bonus episodes uh, with guest Seth Heasley, who is, uh, I think this is his third time uh, on the podcast. Yep. So... What we're going to do is a repeat of our first bonus episode where we did, where we're going to kind of play a little game. Uh, each of us has a list of our favorite, um, what it, like uh, our favorite underrated science fiction movies. Uh, so, you know, movies you can watch in quarantine once you've watched your favorite one too many times, whatever <laughs> it is. Uh, but yeah, so we're each going to kind of go... Um, in a circle, we're going to kind of like draft them. So if someone, we don't know what each other's lists are. And if someone picks one in our list, we have to go to the next one down. Um, we haven't chosen who's going to go first yet. So who, who wants to begin? <laughs> Should we let the guest go first? Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I didn't want to assert guest privilege here. But, uh, <laughs> I think I think you got it. I think you got it. So I know, Adrian. I know that you and I probably have at least one title in common, and so I'm like, uh, but I, I want to get mine in. Yeah, right. No, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely ordered the like first one is like the first one I'm gonna say for sure. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, just for the sake of clarity, right? Underrated can kind of mean whatever we interpret it to mean, right? Whatever underrated, we want. Right, right. Yeah, as well as, totally. um, you know, science fiction, pretty broad tent in terms of what that means. Oh, we should also say, Seth, you're from the Hugo's There podcast. You also have yes. another podcast or several other movie podcasts. Uh, do you want to mm -hmm. introduce yourself really quickly before your first pick? Uh, just so we do sure. that, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. No problem. Yeah. So like Adrian said, both Adrian and Matt, and Matt have uh, guested on Hugo's There and that's the one where I'm reading mm -hmm. through the Hugo winners. My guest comes on, chooses the topic. Adrian did The Left Hand of Darkness, and mm -hmm. Matt did Down Below Station. And then I also have Take Me to Your Reader, which is adapted science fiction. So we'll cover a movie that is based on a short story, novella, or novel. Uh, it's really fun when there's remakes as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also have Brief and Not So Brief that I do with my son, which is just either... like. A not so brief discussion on one movie or a brief discussion of several movies. Nice. I love the father son dynamic on a podcast. That's like really <laughs> heartwarming. I, I it sounded like, like I was be being ironic, but I'm not. <laughs> no, no, <I> don't. <laughs> like it is heartwarming. <laughs> cool. So folks should go check this out as always. Links in the show notes. Perfect. All right. So am I kicking this thing off? Yeah. What's do your it, first movie? All right. So for my first pick, I'm going to go with 2007, Danny Boyle, and it is Sunshine. No, that was my <laughs> first one. Uh, <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> well, you know, you can join That's me in the discussion. Right. So <laughs> right, right. This the, one, the good thing is we all get to talk about the movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I won't monopolize the conversation the whole time. And, you know, when I'm, when I'm thinking of underrated here... You know, I look at like the tomato meter and it's like 76% for critics, 73 for audiences. So it's not like it's a hated movie or anything. Mm -hmm. um, but I think this one kind of falls into the underseen category. It didn't get a super mm. wide release. It was a British release. Yep. Um, and there's also the problem of the ending of the movie that a lot of people don't like. And so they'll be like, yeah, I like that movie except for the last 20 minutes. Yep. And mm. I feel like it's a strong enough movie that regardless of how you feel about the ending of it, it's still a really, really good movie. 
Yeah. Oh man. So I have not seen this movie, but I am fine oh. if you oh. want to spoil it or whatever. It's up to you guys. But just yeah, go, I don't go, get too... go wild. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, Why is I don't it get... so great? Okay. So this is it's directed by Danny Boyle, like I said, written by Alex Garland, who's also done he's done mm-hmm. a lot of movie work. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Annihilation, Ex right. Machina. It was his first science so, fiction project ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and the cast in it is tremendous. It's got Killian Murphy. It's got Chris Evans, Michelle Yeoh, uh, Hiroyuki mm-hmm. Sanada, Benedict yep. Wong, Rose Byrne, Cliff Curtis. It's, I mean, it's not like, I mean, Chris Evans is the big name now, right? But he wasn't then. Mm-hmm. So he plays not, like kind like, of the bad guy in a way, too. It's really interesting. He is. He's kind of like the... Or like the straw prick. Vulcan character almost, yeah, right? He's, yeah. he's the guy who's just analytical. He's like, no, I'm going to keep us on straw mission Vulcan. regardless of if it costs <laughs> lives. Um, but I don't know, he turns out to be right most of the time. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing I like about this movie, though, is it's like a 50s style concept. You know, the sun is dying. We have to send a, a mission to the, the sun. I mean, it's almost like the core, you know, it's mm, like a B movie right. concept, but executed in, in an A movie Totally. Budget, totally, <laughs> um, and it's taken completely seriously, right? And they, they actually had a scientific advisor who was Brian Cox um, mm-hmm. to talk about, you know, the stellar dynamics and that kind of stuff. Um, and the idea is they're just going to build a spaceship that's a huge bomb that's going to kind of disrupt this thing that's causing the solar output to be less. And they don't go into a ton of detail about exactly what's happening in the sun. They're just like, we're going to reignite it with this bomb the size of Manhattan Island. Mm-hmm. And you know, <laughs> so they the gather together the all of the nuclear weapons on the world to build one right. super bomb. So there's like, you know, there's yeah. two of them, and this is the second mission. The first one right. ended for some reason, no one knows why. It was lost, right. right? And then this is the one where it's like, this is their last chance. It's the second yes. half of all the nuclear arsenal on Earth going to like restart <laughs> the sun. <laughs> Right. It's the highest possible stakes, right? We have to complete yeah. this mission. Even if at some point we get in into the mission and we realize we don't have enough oxygen for all of us to survive long enough to complete <laughs> the mission. And you have to make uh, that call, right? How many short straws do you have? Yeah. Um, so lots of really good tension in it. It does take a little bit of a left turn toward the end of the movie. But I mean, I just watched it yesterday again. I've watched it seven or eight times and I just, I, I like it more every time. Same. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I find even the ending has grown on me over time as I kind of like, it's, it sort of takes a left turn into almost like a slasher territory in the ending. Like it feels like sort of a different genre, but Mm -hmm. I think it works because it also allows the ending to get more abstract in a certain way that it It does. does. And I think those two things end up working really well together. Yeah. Yeah, my it son also has it the best night. soundtrack of like any science fiction movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's it like sure the does. soundtrack kills me. I like it's yeah. one of the it's the reason I'm most sad I never got to see it in theaters is because the music is mm-hmm. so good and like being yeah. able to watch that with like a full body like seat rumbling like the screen in front of you. Mm-hmm. It's like these shots of the sun. It's also another thing. The shots of the sun are the most amazing, intense things you'll ever see. It gets at the enormity of like what the sun actually is. And unlike anything else I've ever seen, it's so good. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a great moment in it too. And this isn't much of a spoiler where the captain calls them all into this observation lounge and they just sit there and watch Mercury transit across the face of the sun. And it's just a really cool kind of let down in, you know, just a, a moment to breathe 
Um, yep. And it's just the kind of thing that like I, I can totally understand how you could be just blown away by that moment. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I love that. That um, is so cool. You, anybody listening to this, if you haven't seen the movie, you have heard the music in a thousand trailers. Totally. Since totally. the movie came out. Yeah, I love yeah, it's also like Clint Mansell say? or something. I think he's one of the like it, it, very well known composer and like mm-hmm. the, the music shows up and everything. Also great music to like study to or like run to or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. I'm sure I've heard it. Um, and I, I love so much the trope of let's gather all the X in the world and use it in one yes. big blast whether (laughs) x be electricity or nukes or like what have you (laughs) yeah it's It's so so great it's so good well and that's that's what comes into the movie is you're like hey we've got this last swing if it works great but if it doesn't well it what if there was an option to take two swings and that that's that's a major point in the in the movie where it diverges yep Oh, what a good movie. I'm so glad you picked it. I mean, I'm also mad you picked it, but I'm like, so I I always want to tell people about how good this movie is. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And you guys are both Alex Garland, big Alex Garland fans, right? Oh, yeah. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I still haven't seen Devs, his TV show that's on right now, but I'm I'm saving that up for, you know, when I can think again. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to have to do another Hulu trial and and watch that one. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. Use a use a different email address this time. <laughs> what? Who said that? What? <laughs> hey, my son's got a credit card. So. <laughs> there you go. Nice, nice. Oh. All right, Matt. Do you do you want to go second? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I uh, of the two movies I was excited to talk about, one of them is more similar to Sunshine. I think. Should I do that one first? It's, I mean, it's kind up to you. Which, sure. which one do you think one of us might pick? You know. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> all right. So this is not similar, but it's so good. Have you guys seen Dark City? I have. Yeah, I have not seen that one. Oh, man. It's been on my so list. It's been a, a long, long time, time since I saw Dark City, but I really liked Dark City. This is like a this is a 1998 Alex Proyas movie. Um, mm. And uh, it's got um, it's got a great cast too, like Kiefer Sutherland, Jennifer Connelly, um, William Hurt and mm. It's very like, it's very sort of um, matrixy. I guess would be right. the if if there's like one thing to compare it to that's like super obvious. It's that. Well, it's um, very influential. It's the kind of movie where like yeah. audiences didn't see it, but like every filmmaker has, and you see its foot like right. its fingerprints yeah. everywhere. Right, and crucially, Dark City came out before the Matrix, the, the first Matrix, mm-hmm. and so it's not like some sort of like super derivative Matrix clone. It's actually. Uh, it's actually a different thing that just happens to be similar in, in, in certain ways. It's, it's very sort of nineties, dark, like, uh, cyber fantasy in another Mm -hmm. dimension. Right, right, right. (laughs) And, um, it's very atmospheric. It's very noiry. Um, and it's very, and the script is really fun in, in like a, in a way that reminds me of like, I mean, it's, it's a movie, it's almost like, like a writer's movie if I could say that about it, mm-hmm. where, where I, without like saying anything about what happens in the plot, it's the sort of plot where you can imagine writers like trying to write a movie that their writer friends would like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> where yeah, it's sort I of, the, it's totally like, do. yeah. So it's, it's like, um, <clears throat> you know what other movie sort of it, it reminds me of in, in that particular way is kiss, kiss, bang, bang, a movie that's very like kind of meta oh, in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. And like, 
interested in in sort of upending your expectations about how story <clears throat> scripts work you know anyway it's really fun it's just a fun movie it's like very like great to like just like sit back and like relax into the into the arms of this weird script <laughs> nice so, so would you say in terms of kind of having this one as underrated is it do you feel like this is one that's just not talked about anymore yeah yeah i okay. do um it didn't exactly make a billion dollars it made its budget back right. but it's it's not it did not like do super well when it came out nor did it do super mm-hmm. badly kind of right. just kind of happened and like yeah the the i think i think people are aware of it but it's definitely not one of these i feel like i have not seen it on as many cult classic lists as i would expect mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes it's sense. been on my list to watch for a long time so i'm definitely going to give it a look yeah, yeah. I will say I've only seen it once, and I saw it kind of on the recommendation of like, oh, it's super influential. It's you know influenced the Matrix and all of these other things, and you'll totally love it. And I saw it, and like my reaction was like, that was interesting, but I also totally understand why it barely made its budget back. Right? Like, like to me, it <laughs> wasn't actually like the greatest <laughs> film ever, um, but I do understand why folks like it. It is kind of it sits in this kind of like weird, interesting place yeah. of. And I would say, uh, like things that other things other than the Matrix, to give you more a sense of the tone, things other than the Matrix you could compare it to would be Jean Pierre Genet movies, mm-hmm. or like Fritz Lang. Yeah, like or like or even like there's even like a bit bits of like memento maybe mm. um because it's like and definitely like um definitely like uh like akira um right and uh and yeah like i think that. in like, some ways the the for me at least the matrix comparison did it a disservice because i expected a matrix like action kind of philosophical action thriller plot and it's right. not that plot yeah it's not that it's like aesthetically it's more, yeah. similar, but it's not like plotting and story similar. Yeah, I think Jean Pierre Genet is actually like a really good. Yeah, comp. that is. <laughs> All right, cool. All righty. Um, well, my first one's been taken, so I got to figure <laughs> out what's next. All right, so next on the list, I'm gonna take. Um, I think it's 2006's The Fountain. Um, oh, yes, yes. yes. Oh, I love yeah. that movie. <laughs> I love this movie. It's a movie told in three parts. There are three storylines that interweave together, all feature all the same actors playing different characters. One is set in like the conquistador era in South America with this like group of conquistadors trying to find the tree of life, uh, which is in the second story, which is set in the present day, that story is being written by this woman who is dying of cancer and mm. her husband, who is a cancer researcher, is trying to like race against the clock to find a cure for her particular kind of cancer before she dies. And it's about their relationship and also their kind of like lack of relationship because like while she is living, he is ignoring her, trying to save her kind of thing going on. And then set like thousands of years in the future as that same guy living in a spaceship bubble, uh, carrying (laughs) the tree of life, which is also his dead wife to a star that's about to go supernova so that they can all be reborn together. Uh, it's like a beautiful, as one does, does, right. It's like a very beautiful, like kind of, again, there'll be a theme of like 
abstract science fiction on my like favorite underrated science fiction abstract mm-hmm. science fiction with a great soundtrack because the soundtrack to this movie is fucking killer it's so good it it's another it's soundtrack so i'll listen to over and over again yeah i love um, the soundtrack and it does a really cool job of having certain leap motifs that like appear in all the different stories but that also like each story kind of has its own like style of music. It, it's really cool the way it like weaves in and out of this like kind of yeah. both visual storytelling and um, like musical storytelling. Uh, Hugh Jackman is the lead character and Rachel Weiss is his wife. Uh, and then there's right. other like char- you know, character actors who you'll notice all throughout it. Uh, Darren Aronofsky, I didn't say that, is the right. director too. I think he wrote it as well. I'm not positive. I know he wrote all of his other movies up to that point, so I think he also wrote that one. I think um, he did, yeah. Yeah, and so it, it's great. It's definitely like weird and contemplative. Like I can understand, again, why... Like this is underrated in the sense of like it didn't perform very well. I think in some ways, because it came after Requiem for a Dream, I think in some ways it was like viewed as a like it was not also not a great critical success i think a lot of people viewed it as like not living up to the potential of pie and requiem for a dream which were the sort of like indie sleeper hits or even like art house sleeper hits and then this was a sort of like mid-budget sci-fi kind of vaguely action movie about cancer and like i think a lot of people didn't really get it and like kind of understandably so but i think it's great i think in some ways it's it's definitely like way more watchable than requiem for a dream or pi r right like it's it's super watchable but like just as intense the filmmaking is really good uh you know he has a really great eye for cinematography and just some of the like visuals of like you know these like again like there's so many visual leap motifs there's all these things that show up again in all these different stories and ways that they're all connected and you know there's sort of the question of like are any of the stories true is one true is another one true like and what is being like learned by this character through all of them and it tells a really human story of like you know like cherish the time you have on earth with people instead of like trying to like make it something that it's not even if like what it is is not perfect um, so I love that. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Uh, and, you know, I think it's definitely a good, like, you know, put on late at night and cry kind of movie. <laughs> it is sad. Fair warning. It's definitely not. I mean, if you've seen other Darren Aronofsky movies, you know, you, you will be prepared. But right. if you haven't, right. then, right. <laughs> then it's not exactly... Um, it's intense and sad. I, I totally agree with like everything else Adrian said too. Like it's really good. I love it. Yeah. That's one that I've seen one time and it was kind of at the beginning of my being able to appreciate artier movies that had less clear story beats. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it was one that I admired. And so it's, it's something that I'd like to go back and watch again. I think I'd appreciate it even more now. I remember it being absolutely gorgeous. It's oh, so yeah. beautiful. Oh, man. And the music is so good. So, Adrian, yeah. uh, as soon as you said that, I was instantly like, of course Adrian loves this movie. It's sort of like Cloud Atlas. It is sort of like Cloud Atlas, <laughs> isn't it? I, that definitely, that's one that's kind of off our list. We, we agreed not to talk about movies that we'd already talked about in the previous episode. <laughs> right. But it's definitely like Cloud Atlas pre-Cloud Atlas. I guess it was sort of, <laughs> I think it was made around the same time Cloud Atlas, the book was written. Um, and definitely has mm. some similar, you know, our lives are not our own intertwining, you know, characters stuff right. going on. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, Seth, what's number two. All right. 
All right, so I'm going to take one that I'm absolutely sure neither of you have on your, on your <laughs> list. Yeah. <laughs> Two is where we start to get because, more weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, because I'm, I'm taking us back to 1985, a movie I saw in the theater with my sisters. Oh. Stretching the definition of science fiction here, it's more in the Solid. fantasy side. Uh-huh. And the movie is Ladyhawk. Yes, oh. Ladyhawk. Oh, yes. I don't know. So directed good. by Richard Donner. So underrated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, starring Rutger Hauer and Michelle Pfeiffer and Matthew Broderick and John Wood. And uh, it's, I mean, I've seen this movie a hundred times because it was one that we immediately connected with. We all loved it because it has kind of everything that you want in it for it a family movie, right? It's got some romance in there. It's got some action. Um, you know, it's beautiful. It's shot in on location in Italy. It's supposed to be France, but... Italy will suffice, I suppose. Um, You know, it's medieval fantasy. It's got some intrigue in it because the the plot is you have these two characters that have been cursed by another person uh, so that during the day she is a hawk and during the night he is a wolf. And they're struggling to try and break that curse. Oh, that's so tragic, too, because they can't actually feed together as people. Uh Exactly. (laughs) So the reason that I would put this one in underrated is kind of what we've been talking about, about sunshine and uh, the fountain with the beautiful music. This is not that movie (laughs) because for whatever reason, uh, Richard Donner decided that this movie should have an electronic soundtrack. It's so good though. I love it. And, it, it, you know, people revile it for that. If this movie had a James Horner soundtrack or, or, or score, it would be an all-time classic. I'm convinced that it would be. Honestly, I sort of think it is an all-time classic. It's just that, like, I think it was almost, like, before its time in a way. Like, it works. Sure. It works so well as the kind of movie that, like, it, it's, like, this very particular thing. It's, like, this perfectly crafted um uh object of art that like mm-hmm. the the art that it is is not high art exactly nor is it low right. art it is like it is i guess maybe like folk art it's like movie folk mm-hmm. art in this weird way where it's like it's not like it's not like good because it's so bad not at all it's right. not bad but nor is it like um nor is it like uh, I don't even know what it's not like. <laughs> it's weird, but it's awesome, and people should definitely watch it. <laughs> yeah, and I will say for everything I said about that, the reason that people, one of the reasons that people always cite is, oh, the soundtrack is awful, and yet I saw it in the theater and I loved it. I loved the music. I loved everything about it. Yeah. And so even now I watch it and I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see objectively that this is not, you know, the the best that this movie could be, but I still just love it. <laughs> <laughs> so good that's so good. so i've actually never heard of this before and i'm really excited to go check it out because that sounds like right. like that sounds like such a great story concept yeah and also like it sounds like a you know like i love choices like i love when a movie like makes a choice obviously mm-hmm. from the like movies i've talked about so far so right. like you know like okay is this 80s synth wave soundtrack like a weird choice like yeah but is it a choice like yes it yeah. is and i'm here for it <laughs> yeah, yes. the funny thing is it's not an entirely electric soundtrack like a movie like flight of the navigator is is entirely electronic this mm-hmm. one's a mixture of orchestral and 80s synth pop so nice. it's, it, it's it works for me. I mean, I feel like it does for me, too. It's like a love it or hate it thing, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. 
Matt, yep. do you want to do you want to go? Unless Seth, you have anything more? No, I'm good. Okay, cool. So for our, for my next one, I uh, this is also potentially a love it or hate it thing. Um, I'm actually <laughs> underrated is a weird word to use for this for like a really big budget Hollywood movie, but it was definitely not critically liked. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so that's my that's my pitch. Godzilla, King know. of the Monsters, the oh. 2019. The 2019 Godzilla movie, which is the sequel to the 2014 Godzilla movie. No, this seems um, like a pretty good underrated pick, given how much mm-hmm. everyone hated it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, so, so like the sense in which it might not be considered underrated is that this movie made like almost 400 million dollars uh, right. in the box office, right? And um, that is above its. It's like its budget was much less than that, so it, it like made a lot of money. But mm-hmm. I don't think critics like thought this was anything other than trash and i think like my pitch for this movie is that this is like exactly the best trash this is such great a trash it's so fucking awesome it's such delicious garbage first of all it's a sequel which is so important for like trash kaiju movies it like doesn't have to waste any time explaining what godzilla is everybody who's watching this movie is assumed to know what godzilla is now obviously that's true for every Godzilla movie and has been for literally 50 years. But <laughs> a lot of Godzilla, a surprising number of Godzilla movies t- try to explain what Godzilla is. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is yeah. like not necessary at this point at yeah, all. Yeah, it's the superhero <laughs> origin story problem. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. This, exactly. this movie does not have that problem. And so that makes it like so much more fun and rewatchable. It's just ridiculous nonsense after ridiculous <laughs> nonsense until at Love one it. point, at one point, you know, spoiler alert, they actually... Uh, Godzilla is like hurt and they like heal slash recharge him by setting off a like <laughs> so good. Ken Watanabe <laughs> sacrifices himself to personally carry a nuke over to Godzilla and like proffer this nuke to Godzilla, like exploding it in his face to like recharge slash heal Godzilla so <laughs> that Godzilla can like, you know, get back up and like go back to the fight. Um <laughs> Because wow, this is a movie, God. also, the other thing about this movie is, this is a movie where Godzilla is the good guy. Like, right. he's, Godzilla saves humanity. Right. And it's so awesome. <laughs> it's all just like, <laughs> it's not like humans trying desperately to stop Godzilla. No, fuck that. Godzilla rules. Godzilla's going to save us <laughs> from other monsters. It's just total nonsense. All these, there's all this like, I can't even... Like the plot is, you already know what the plot is. The plot is Godzilla fighting other monsters in various <laughs> right, locations. Right, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no such thing as spoiling this movie. It's just, no. but it's just so ridiculous. And it's also, it you know, near and dear to my heart. Uh, it features the destruction of Boston, which is where I live. <laughs> which is always like, you know, you always want it to be your city that gets gets, gets destroyed. By <laughs> right. So, right. It's always San Francisco. So you know. Th- yeah. Right. Better right. to have it Boston. Or Tokyo. Or Tokyo. But yeah. The other thing Adrian, to say about this movie, this I've never no. seen it. No, I, 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 I am actually incredibly surprised by this pick. So I am. I am I'm, too. I'm curious. <laughs> I'm very curious about this. No, but it's oh, yeah. a great no. recommendation, though. I mean, because it, yeah. it is one that I gave a miss just because I, I was like, uh, you know, I, I loved yeah, right. the Gareth Edwards Godzilla, but um, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't get any excitement from my family to go see it. So yeah. This is not a good movie. Like, I don't want to, like... No, I'm you not said nonsense, it. like, nine right. times. Right, yes. right. Yeah, I just want to emphasize that. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. that's the great... that Like, 
again, this is why I love the idea of doing underrated movies because it like lets us both go super highbrow and super lowbrow in the same exactly. list. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, I'm totally going to watch this now, man. Yeah. It's great. It's cool. Great. Also, um, the main villain is Ghidorah, uh, AKA King Ghidorah. And they just refer to this monster as King. It's so stupid. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> like king is not its name it's it's like title <laughs> right why <laughs> oh man that's funny that's so good i i so i good. will i will save this for the honorable mention speed round whatever we do at the end but there's another like godzilla movie that i'll that i'll call out at some point here too um okay i feel like godzilla movies are like their own ripe like you know definitely some underrated gems in there mm-hmm. <sighs> okay i'm gonna go next I have kind of a tricky one. I think I'm going to pick this because I think my third one, no one's going to pick and I'll want to talk more seriously about that. And it'll be my second really sad abstract movie in a row. So like <laughs> my pick, pick number two is going to be Looper by Ryan Johnson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, director of Knives Out of another what I think is an underrated movie, a uh, sci-fi movie. I almost actually did pick The Last Jedi as like a total troll. <laughs> ah. <laughs> it's like, ah, yeah, 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 no. But no, yeah. but Looper was his movie before The Last Jedi, um, presumably part of why he got hired to direct a Star Wars movie. And it's just like a really great, like solid time travel movie. Like right. it, 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 it's one of these time travel. It explicitly tells you like the point isn't to think too hard about how time travel works. The point is to have like right. a, a movie coherent version of time travel that I can tell an entertaining story within. And like, goddamn, if there's not one thing that Ryan Johnson is really good at, it's like telling a really interesting story within certain genre constraints and like yeah. fucking with those constraints in a way that feels like, I don't know, uh, uh, like authentic to the constraints instead of doing it just to like blow them up. And so like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's really fun. It's, um, it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the like, you know, his second starring role in a Ryan Johnson movie after Brick, which is also really good. Uh, yeah, shout out Brick. Brick is so good. Brick is oh. phenomenal. Um, but, but it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt as like this, um, so this is just the like wind up first like 10 minutes of the movie situation you learn all of this he is a uh essentially like a bounty hunter or an assassin where like what happens is there's like a mobster in the far future who like sends hits back in time and like joseph gordon levitt just like shows up to a certain time and place with a like shotgun and a dude pops into existence he shotguns them and then pulls the like gold bullion off their back which has gotten sent back in time by this like future mobster with like time travel technology uh it it features a bunch of like my favorite tropes one of which is like shitty future it's like (laughs) all the cars are electric cars now but they all run on like these you know it's like they're all kind of like old shitty like cars (laughs) from now that have been like retrofitted to be electric right like like there's all (laughs) these little details like this where it's like yeah it's the future and things have advanced there's like time travel and like electric cars and all this stuff but also it's all shitty like it's not good for anyone (laughs) unless you're like the mobster who like runs you know like toledo or whatever it is that it's all set um right bruce willis is in it actually giving like a good performance uh the like main conflict becomes like really kind of like interesting and philosophical um you know i don't want to spoil that because i think that's kind of like it's hinted at in some of the marketing but like the way the main conflict works out between joseph gordon levitt and um 
Bruce Willis is really interesting. And mm-hmm. um, who Emily Blunt's in it, giving like a really fantastic performance. Uh, there's there's just it's cool. It like travels mm-hmm. a bunch of places, and it like doesn't go where you think it's going to go. It does a really good thing of like giving you all the pieces and making a coherent whole out of them, but misdirecting you to think it's going to be a different coherent whole than the one that it actually ends up being. And it does a really solid job of that. So, you know, I, I feel like this is underrated in the sense of like, mid-budget sci-fi movie i think it like made its budget but i think it like did fine in theaters and it definitely was like critically well received but it sort of like disappeared really quickly um and like for just like a solid action sci-fi movie like can't do better real fucking great for that yeah jeff daniels is also tremendous in that movie oh right right. i forgot about that he totally is yeah, and oh, and the yeah. kid who plays Emily Blunt's kid is really really, really good. That's, scary. That's His role is yeah. Oh man, his role is intense, and he does a really good job at it. Jesus, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a solid pick. Cool. All right, so that's number two. Seth, close us out of okay. the main voting here. <laughs> so I think this one may be taking a page out of Matt's book. It's one of those. <laughs> it's one of these movies that I watch it. And I'm like, you know what? I really enjoyed that. And then I get to thinking about it later. And I'm like, no, no, don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and, Love um, it. So, I'm, but I'm going to give it a recommend here. It's from 2002, Equilibrium with Christian Bale and yeah. Tate Diggs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen this one. I, yeah, I have a hard time saying this is a good movie. And when you look at the Rotten Tomato score, it's like 40% for critics <laughs> and 80% for audiences. And so that's, oh, that's where, you know, it uh-huh. has that very... Hey, I was entertained by that. Was it a good movie? Hmm, you know, I don't know. It has some interesting things in it. It is essentially, I was talking to a friend the other day, it's like Fahrenheit 198451. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's like a mishmash of every dystopian science fiction book you've ever read. Um, because, okay, the concept of it is it, this one country called Libria, which is as on the nose as it can be. Um, <laughs> has decided that in order to avoid wars and other conflicts to suppress all emotion. So it's sort of the Vulcan thing, but they do it with a, you know, um, what do they call it? An interval. So they have to inject this thing into their neck every, (laughs) you know, six hours or whatever it is. And you have the governing authority is called the Grammaton or the Tetragrammaton, which is of course a very on the nose, um, kick at religion, which, you know, I'm Christian. I don't mind. Um, and the people who enforce the laws against what they call sense offense are called clerics. Oh. And so the clerics will bust into a place and shoot a bunch of people with this absolutely ridiculously okay. stupid gun kata that they yes. do. You have to oh, talk I about have the gun kata. Seen this movie. You have to talk about the yes. gun kata. Oh shit, yes. I have seen this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. I have... <laughs> Yeah. I was like, oh, the, some of this sounds vaguely familiar. I guess it's like, yeah, yeah, I have. Oh, no, Gun Kata. I remember the yep. shit out of that. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. And yet <laughs> then I watch it and I'm like, okay, but that was really, really cool. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of, I mean, I don't want to say it's one of those turn your brain off movies because I think it does have some things to say. Um, but they're the kind of things that are said in 1984 and Fahrenheit 451 and any n- number of other classic books. So it's kind of a right. dumbed down version of a lot of that. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, 
it's still good fun <laughs> i think it's like a really watchable movie i feel like i've yeah. seen equilibrium a lot more than most like better movies <laughs> yeah i, I just, just watched it the other day because i'm like what is this one does this one really fit and I, I it kind of fits in that godzilla category where i'm like it's sort of nonsense but Totally, totally. Also, I mean, like it fits in that sort of like post Matrix, post Max Payne, like, oh, we can't do bullet time exactly, but we right. want to do something kind of like that. And like the gun, the gun foo, gun kata, whatever it's called stuff is very mm-hmm. much gun like kata. that. It's like, you know, yeah, yeah, that's that's a good pick. That's a really solid. Yeah, you pick. can watch the first like six minutes and you know exactly what the movie's going to be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's so fun though it's just like yeah. you just put it on and you could just right it's just compulsively over the top watchable. that's the word for oh, yeah. it yeah it's like it's over the top and like in a very enjoyable way yeah. i mean i say i haven't seen it since i was in high school so like you know but like i do remember really enjoying it being like that was dumb i'm glad i watched it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i will say this one's on netflix right now so you know oh if you solid have netflix, very good yeah you can watch it and you'll probably have a good time nice 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 <sighs> All right, dude. Matt. All right. What do you got, Matt? Um, I'm up, I guess. So I was actually considering saying Brick because uh, I'm not going to say Brick. I have a different one. But I just just to briefly shout out Brick, it's awesome. That's, That's my actual good. favorite Ryan Johnson movie. Not that I don't like mm. his other movies. Um, it's so good. But anyway, mm-hmm. okay. I'm going to say another, like, this is, I, I, I don't know if you guys would expect me to say this. This is a weird one. <laughs> Source code. <laughs> oh, totally. Oh, yeah. I love source code. Absolutely. <laughs> great pick. That's yeah. A great pick. Source code is Jake Gyllenhaal. It's like 2011. It's a thriller, sci-fi thriller about like going into like this like virtual reality to f- fight terrorism. And it's yeah. ridiculous and fun. It, it's and... the best video game movie ever made. And it's not a remake of a video game. It's just a movie right. whose plot is a video game. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a little weird, I think, to call it. I, I think the sense in which this is underrated is like it did fine and then was forgotten. Yeah. You know, that's my yes. like my 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 thing about this. I, I, I just it's not like anybody. I don't think anybody hated it. I don't know how many people actually loved it, but I think it's actually really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like really fun. And interestingly, I feel like so I'm just looking at the the cast here. Vera Farmiga's in it. I feel like Vera Farmiga may win the prize for being in the most of the movies like being in more of the movies we've mentioned in this episode than anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like she, uh, what was she also in? She was in Godzilla King of the Monsters is what she was also oh, in. So I guess okay, she's just okay. in all the all movies that picks. I've mentioned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I did not know that. Like I didn't recall. I, I didn't pick these movies knowing that. And now I suddenly remember. <laughs> <laughs> that's also, so that's nice. directed by, um, uh, Duncan Jones. Yes. Uh, yes. David Bowie's son, uh, is, is who that is. And, uh, also known for Warcraft, the Warcraft movie, moon and Warcraft, (laughs) which I feel like that's another way in which source code is kind of underrated. Like he did moon and that was such this, like, again, kind of like indie darling kind of like sci-fi hit, like critics loved it. And then he did source code and everyone was like, Oh really? Which like, I loved source. (laughs) I thought it was great. So yeah, me too. Yeah, super fun. Super fun. Yeah, no, that movie's intense, man. I, I really enjoy that one. That's yeah. that's one that um that I've watched a couple of times. And yeah, I think the the video game kind of feel to it really is an apt description. Mm-hmm. Um I don't want to give too much away though. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely not. It's very I, much the kind of movie that like 
you know, I think the one thing that, that you can give away is it's like set in a place where like things keep resetting. It has like a, you know, right. kind of like action Groundhog Day scenario situation right. going on. Which um, is a trope I love. I love it. Totally, totally. And like, I think one of the things that it does a, like a better job than any other movie I've seen with that is it does a very good job of like the characters do really creative problem solving given the constraints that they're given. Mm -hmm. And like some of the, like, so I've listened to the like track, which features Duncan Jones, Jake Gyllenhaal and the like uh, writer, like, like talking about the movie, um, the, their, their uh, commentary track. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that problem solving in particular was stuff that like Jake Gyllenhaal uh, and Duncan Jones, like figured out on set. Like they would sit Mm -hmm. there and they'd be like, this is what's written right now, but like, what would this guy actually do? Let's assume he's smart and that he's like interacted with, with these people before. So like, what's he going to do right. to accomplish yeah. what he wants to do this time? Like, how is he going to yeah. do to, and like, it really show like it does a really good job of like showcasing that kind of like fun problem solving in this kind of like time travel type way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal is an actor who makes the movies he's in better. He totally, does. totally. Yeah. I, I love will that say he in the comes movie. across as kind of a dick on the commentary, but he's so good <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I you know I I I will make no comments about his personality. You know what what do I know? But I think as a as a like as a craftsman or whatever mm-hmm. as yeah. an actor, I mean he he's really good. Yeah, really good. Well, I love that moment that I mean you often get it in movies where there's a repeating time loop element where there's one character who's experiencing things experiencing things multiple times, and they just kind of assume that everybody else is along for the ride, but they're not. And at some point he asks Michelle Monaghan, who's seated on this train that he, that's where he starts every time where he, he's like, Hey, do you trust me? She's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's what I was thinking of. She is of course in kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Um, I was just going to say she's in kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Yeah. Like she's uh, great too. She's so good. She's terrific. Love her. Yeah. So I really love her. A lot of overlap among these movies in 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 sort of subtle ways. I think. Right, right. I think ways. so. I think so. <laughs> well, especially I think a lot of these movies kind of have that sort of like one thing that makes a lot of them good is the sort of like uh like character actor who you don't know their name but you see them in a bunch of movies because they're actually like really fucking good actors they just never play (laughs) the lead and a lot of these have like oh yeah the entire cast is those people and it's a great fucking cast because of it i think like uh sunshine in particular for that where it's just like every single person is a great fucking actor whether they're like you know now and the biggest a-list movie star or still like in that like you know like the character actor you go to yeah 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 question for for the group have has anyone seen mute um no i haven't that's just like netflix movie i think that's the one that's like sort of a sequel or a side cool to moon it's like set in the same world yeah i i i want to see that i have yeah i haven't seen it i want to it got pretty bad reviews not like oh this is not what we expected but like oh this is not a very good movie so i'm not i'm not sure i still haven't seen it it's definitely on the list though all right cool all right so i'll do i'll i'll do my final one which is again gonna be like sad abstract with a great soundtrack so you know clearly (laughs) have a pigeonhole and i'm sticking with it it's going to be upstream color by shane (laughs) yes yes i love this film 
I saw it twice in theaters. One of the times was the very last time it was shown in theaters and it included a Q&A with Shane Carruth. Um, so Carruth is the director and writer of Primer, which I almost right. picked, but then I decided I was going to go with this one instead because Primer, I feel like, is both underrated, but also in that particular, like it's a total cult classic that anyone yeah, who pays yeah. attention to this stuff kind of loves. Um, yeah. It's like another great sci-fi, um, like a, a, a time travel movie, super low budget, like indie film. Uh, Kruth also actually um, consulted on Looper. Like he has a credit on Looper for like helping figure out mm. the time travel constraints and like helping with that whole situation. Um, and he himself is just a really fascinating, um, filmmaker. Like he's made two films now. He both are in this like shoestring budget. Like he did everything himself. He composed the music. He was the cinematographer for upstream mm -hmm. color. He actually like, you know, he used like DSLR cameras, like digital SLR cameras for it. Mm -hmm. And he actually bought a bunch of cameras and then like, learned how to hack their firmware and like reprogram the chips so that he could get the color grading that he wanted on the actual camera instead of having to like color grade it himself right. in post because he wanted to like film natively in the color grading that he wanted. Uh, he's a really interesting, like particular filmmaker who has just this like really solid eye for detail in every single step of the movie um, from mm. the story, which the story of upstream color is like, in some ways it's the story of like a parasite and it's also the story of like, like the way I think of the story is it's a story of two people who have both um, experienced the same trauma and it's experience of them coming together with this shared trauma and then both getting over the trauma in like different ways. And so in mm. some ways it's a love story The like part of them coming together is a love story. Although like, I don't think it ends that way, even though other people might disagree with that. Um, it also like it, it has these like uh, the soundtrack is another one I listen to all the time. Um, Shane Carruth also did the soundtrack. It's this like weird, like glitchy electronic music. Glitchy is not the right word. It has melody. It's just like kind of very like uh, distorted electronic music, I'll say. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, it's like a really beautiful movie, um, that's like filmed in this like really loving manner. It's like these two characters. He plays the lead male character, although like that's more of a supporting role. It's really about the like main female character of the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. It's hard to talk about because yeah, it it's not very plotty. It's much more about the like emotions of the characters in any given time. A lot of it's really abstract. Um, like the visuals are abstract, the like edits and the shots are really abstract and it's kind of like meant to, it's almost like Koyastani, like get, like showing you images to like establish Koyastani a feeling. Scotty. Right, right. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's like this like visual storytelling. That's more about emotional storytelling oh, than it is. Sorry, I said it wrong. Also, Koyana Skasi. That yeah, is the exactly. Name of the I'm I'm so bad at pronouncing. I do it no, it's differently a hard, and it's incorrectly a right. every single time. But yeah, I know. So that that's my third one. Uh, you know, it, it was one that like it's underrated because it did not get a wide release. It was released right. in like a couple of theaters across the nation. You know, I live in New York city where he also lives. And so I was able to see it at the IFC center and like, you know, again, like see it with like him in attendance at one of them, but it is like, 
you know, it, it's kind of hard to get. And he did, he also, he did all the distribution himself. So he like formed an indie distribution company so he could do the distribution, right. uh, which at the Q and a, he was like, yeah, that's the one thing that next time I won't do that again. Um, but he had had a hard time distributing primer and felt that it hadn't been handled well. So like he did it with this one and it, you know, I, I know for a long time it was available on video on Vimeo and other video on demand. I'm sure it still is uh, really worth checking out. It's a really like, you know, again, I think all of my movies are like, Hey, do you want to like feel sad at the end of it? But at least like you had a good cry. Like, you know, it's, it's yeah. one of those. Yeah. It's a very profound and good and worthwhile movie and also a very sad movie. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. Cool. All right. Well, do we want to, do we want to do a few honorable mentions of different sorts? I feel like sure. these are some pretty good lists. Actually, let's go over the list. I wrote them down this time. I didn't last oh, time. Nice. And so, um, nice. okay. Seth, you picked Sunshine, Lady Hawk, and Equilibrium, which I feel like is a super well-rounded list. Like you hit like yes. one of everything <laughs> on it. Really, really solid. Yeah. Not really much of a film festival lineup, though. You know, but Sunshine, you get that, you sneak that in there a little bit, though, right? Yeah, like yeah. you get a little think, bit of all yeah, of that. Yeah, I think it's it's it, they're they're really high quality and they're like super watchable. Right. It's yeah, like yeah. a list you could go back to again and again. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think you win the most rewatchable prize for sure. Um, Excellent. Matt, you picked Dark City, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and Source Code, which is also a really good and kind of unexpected list. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I was trying the... to surprise myself more than anyone else. <laughs> well, you also, <laughs> like, I was going to say most surprising. Me to pick. Totally. This is what happens in quarantine, man. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're metagaming against yourself. Yep. <laughs> That's and then right. I chose the fountain looper and upstream color, which I'm going to say I get the list of the like saddest movies. on the yes, list. They are very sad. <laughs> even looper. Yeah, even looper doesn't like have the happiest ending. Um, but I also like, I also feel like my movies are definitely like, like you see these three lists and you know, which one's mine right away. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> you are an avatar of yourself i absolutely am i have nothing if not self-parody um nice. yeah so do we have a couple of other uh honorary mentions yeah a couple of honorable mentions and these we're just going to go through really fast right not a right. Discussion. yeah yeah okay okay so uh one of my honorable mentions i'd go back to 1970 and the reason that it's obscure is that it's from 1970 um, <laughs> and i don't feel like people talk about it much anymore it's colossus the forbin project Oh, what's um, this? Oh, part of part it. of the problem here too is, you know, Forbin is the name of one of the, of the main character, mm. and uh, and it, but it sounds like Forbidden, you know. So people are like, wait, Forbidden Planet was that what that was? But <laughs> no, this is like it's like um, proto Skynet kind of thing where the U.S. builds a defense mainframe and then turns all control over to it after kind of making it unsabotageable, mm-hmm. and then like <laughs> as soon as it's online, it finds another one of its type and starts making demands. And uh, it's it's based on a book by D.F. Jones. It's a really good book. Really great movie. Really close adaptation. Um, cool. Starring Eric Braden, who is famous mostly for soap operas. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a really good movie. And then um, Upgrade was another one that I wanted to bring up. Oh, and that's just from totally. a couple years ago. And this is one of those oh. ones where underrated mostly because it got a fairly limited release. It was only in like 1,500 theaters as opposed to like, you know, 3,000. Right. Um, but yeah, really solid science fiction action movie yeah that's like a oh, bloom house film right i think yeah yeah yep 
Wow, yeah, I should I should watch Upgrade. I have not seen Upgrade. That yeah, that's that's actually been on my list for a long time. It sounds like it, it sounds like a really fun action like sci-fi action movie. Yes, yeah, really really enjoyed that one. Nice, yeah. So my my um, I have three honorable mentions. Uh, the first one is going to be Dread 3D, which is another Alex Garland <laughs> film. Yeah, uh, and it's yes. it's he wrote it and he kind of shadow directed it. The story is that like he got really fed up with the main director, fired him, and actually directed the film, even though like the direct the other director is the one who's credited. This is like several cast members have like said this since then. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like it's one of these like it's the perfect like B movie. It's like nothing other than what it is. It's not like Judge Dredd's origin story. It's not Judge Dredd saving the world. It's just Judge Dredd like one day in the life. It's like a single comic book issue, like a single comic book arc made into a movie that's nothing more than what it is. And I fucking love it. It's so good. So good, man. And also like some of the shots are great. It's like really it's it's solid like you know action film with really great cinematography layered on top of it which is really kind of like what makes it what it is yeah uh number two is gemini man which is gonna be kind of a lot of the same (laughs) thing so i saw this in its like best format like 120 frames per second 3d like 2k release that it got in like you know I think it was like 14 theaters in America and like 30 across Mm. the whole world. So like not that many theaters actually showed it in the way it was meant to be shown. Uh, I saw it though. And it was like a revelation. It was like watching not, it wasn't watching a movie. It was like being next to a thing as it happened. There was a Mm. point where I legit, like there's this really cool action scene where like, um, so there's, this is in all the marketing. It's like Will Smith versus Will Smith. Like there's a young right. de-aged Will Smith that he's like fighting against. It's kind of the looper mm-hmm. thing a little bit. Um, although in the same timeline, but then um, like there's one where young Will Smith just like, like they're fighting on um, dirt bikes. Like they each mm-hmm. are on like a motorcycle and they're like going through the streets of uh, of Venice. I think it is of, of some Italian town. And like one just like slams the bike into another one. And it's like mm-hmm. one of the most visceral things I've ever seen in a movie. I jumped mm-hmm. out of my seat and yelled when I saw it because this like 3d 120 frames per second thing is just like being there in this way that like nothing else ever is. The movie itself is like a perfectly functional like action movie about father issues. Like it's a, you know, it's, it watches exactly like an early nineties action film because the script was actually written in the early nineties. Like it's exactly, it's face off, but like not face off. Right. It's just that, (laughs) but like the way it was filmed, like totally elevates it. And then the last one, which I don't know if it's underrated or not is children of men. Like, I feel like this Mm. is the kind of movie that like now actually people know is actually good, but at the time, like didn't get a very wide release. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron now is like, you know, a much more highly regarded filmmaker than he was at the time and it's just like Mm -hmm. like he perfects the single shot thing there's it's like again really kind of like sad and emotional through a lot of it and just like a really solid kind of like you know story about the end of the world and like you know shit that is maybe a little bit topical at the moment Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm shocked we didn't get a wachowski's pick from you I know. I, I thought about it. I think it. you, I thought you about probably it. only did that because we've already talked about it a lot. We we talked. <laughs> well, I picked Cloud Atlas last time, and then I right. remember. Se- I I thought Matt was going to pick uh, uh, Jupiter Ascending. 
because he oh, talks I, about I that like one that. a lot. It's it's definitely fun. I almost feel like at this point people are aware that that's like fun and awesome, but maybe right. not. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I when I we were talking about this on Twitter, honorable mention. <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember talking about this one on Twitter and thinking, oh wow, you know, I, I hadn't ever heard anybody say anything positive about that movie. So I actually watched it yesterday, and I feel like it's a like a more high budget uh, Flash Gordon, yeah, kind totally. of movie. Totally. So yeah, there's a lot in uh, there to like. Yeah, honestly, at this point, like, man, like I would almost say that the the like original 1980 Flash Gordon soundtrack by Queen is like a good honorable mention. Even though I feel like <laughs> if you're old enough, you do you have heard of that movie. <laughs> it's just like oh yeah, yeah. People who are younger than a certain age will have no idea right. what the fuck that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, Matt, did you do your honorable mentions? No, did I, I didn't. Just skip um, you? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, I I uh, I feel like I've already kind of mentioned. I I, I mentioned Brick is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Flash Gordon. There, there's so many like random sort of weird sci-fi movies. But uh, one really, really weird one that I don't even know. I have to mention this, not because it's like super amazing, but just because I had this really weird and great experience on an airplane. Like the best possible airplane movie experience is that you're there. You don't know like what you're going to do. You've got nothing to do. You're just sitting there. You're like browsing the random movies that they have. And I stumbled across this Japanese science fiction movie, which is called Honnoji Hotel. Um and it's the story of a young woman who is kind of drifting and, um, you know, she has just gotten out of a bad relationship and she's sad and she's in Kyoto, which is where she's from. You know, she she it feels like her career is not going anywhere. Her love life's not going anywhere. She doesn't know what's going on. She um, doesn't live in Kyoto, but she's there to visit her parents. She's from there. And she's staying rather than staying with them. She's staying in this hotel, the Honnoji Hotel. And um, it's a weird hotel. It starts out, the movie starts out and you, th- you feel like it's going to be just like this like drama about this woman figuring out her life and staying in this weird hotel with some kooky characters. But what actually happens is that she slips through time and ends up in the Warring States period um, oh, wow. and falls in love with Nobu Oda, Oda Nobunaga, the uh, guy who unified Japan or the first of the three guys who unified Japan in the Warring wow. States period. And this wow. is especially funny. This is especially funny because it's like this hilarious mix between a time travel like drama and a romance movie. Um like and uh-huh. a period samurai movie. Um yeah. because like Nobu Nobu no Oda Nobunaga is a famous samurai. He's a warrior. He fights battles. Mm-hmm. There's like fighting and war. But he's known for being like a cruel tyrant. <laughs> and the idea that she's going right. to slip back in time and fall in love with him and they have like a meet cute and they have like adorable <laughs> like romance scenes and stuff with like tea ceremonies and then there's like fighting and then and it's like and then the movie ends with Nobu Oda Nobunaga being murdered which is what actually happened <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes back to the present so like it's truly ludicrous and so it's like <laughs> japanese outlander or something like that. exactly it's like right. japanese yeah. outlander except that instead of falling in love with some random guy she falls in love with like an incredibly one of the most famous figures in japanese history known for being a cruel tyrant like it's <laughs> <laughs> kind and like, of amazing that's kind and of amazing somehow this whole experience like makes her feel more at peace with her life and like makes her like right it doesn't no concrete changes happen in her like present day life 
right? right. Like she, <laughs> she doesn't like get a better job, she, but she feels more at peace with herself and like, you know, learns a lesson or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So I was actually going to, I mentioned uh, another, like uh, I wanted to talk about another Godzilla movie and just really quickly, which is a uh, Hideki Anno's Godzilla movie from like a couple of years ago, which is like a full on Japanese production, kind of low budget, quite frankly. Um, but it's also like, one of the funniest satires of like government bureaucracy I've ever seen. Like it's (laughs) so funny. It's like, it's like on the one hand, it's a Godzilla movie. On the other hand, it's like a Godzilla movie about the like government's disaster response to Godzilla, not about Mm. what, and it's not like a, you know, Oh, there's heroes and they're going to save the day. It's like, Oh, there's a bunch of government functionaries and they're all trying to cover their ass. (laughs) (laughs) So there's this one visual gag that happens, which is like the main character is like, starts off being the only one like guys, let's take this seriously. And over and over again is the only one saying that. And then over, over the course of the movie as like, eventually more and more people start getting fired or quitting or like getting eaten by Godzilla or like whatever happens. This character, every time he shows up on screen, they list his titles and his list of titles keeps getting longer and longer and longer (laughs) as he's like the only one willing to take on responsibility anymore. (laughs) And everyone else is kind of like, (laughs) so good. And for people who don't know, like, um, Ano Hideki is the guy who did, who like created Evangelion. Right. Um, Right. So he's he he has a, a a serious pedigree in making awesome science fiction. <laughs> right, I think it's his only live action film. In fact, because it's a live action movie. Uh, oh, is that true? Huh. I think so, because yeah, he's also maybe. done other animated movies and stuff. But I don't know if he's done any other live action ones. It's only one of the. Uh, it's only live action. Oh, it, film it looks like I've he seen. has, but. Um, oh, okay, okay, but. But yeah, it's definitely, it's available on like Amazon and stuff like that. Like you can find it pretty cheaply. It's a fun sort of like turn your brain off, but laugh a little bit. Watch. Oh, also there's a, there's a character. Go ahead. Go ahead. Like uh, Sheen Godzilla. Yeah. Sheen Godzilla. Exactly. And there's a, there's a character who is um, supposedly American who like speaks English. And it's like really clear. The actress doesn't know how to speak English. (laughs) so classic perfect so great it's so good (laughs) it's really it's really a great like in particular like japanese satire of bureaucracy because yeah definitely like the the like the thing i have heard from japanese friends of mine who complain about the japanese government the most is that no one takes responsibility for anything in this like very particular there's like this particular trope of like no one taking responsibility for anything and like no one wanting to admit even that responsibility exists and could be taken. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. Which is like this. It's like exactly the thing that he's satirizing. It's like so good. Honestly, it's Perfect. one of those kind of things where it's like you watch it and you're like, this is over the top. And then in the, you know, year of our Lord, 2020 in April of this year, uh, it is super on the nose right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh. Cool guys. Well, thank you. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad. I'm totally. glad we did this again. This is I. <laughs> this is like a good yearly tradition of doing the movie podcast in game form. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> so uh, good. A lot of these I movies also, I want to watch again. Like now. Totally. Yeah. I, there's a few I want to. I've never seen Lady Hawk or even heard of it. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna so try good. to watch that. That's fun. I want to see Upgrade. 
Yeah, totally. No, last time, you know, last time out of it, I saw like two or three of the movies that I hadn't seen before out of the last one. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it will happen this time too, which is, you know, if nothing else, like I get to watch new movies, which makes me very happy to do this exactly. podcast. Cool. Well, I should, um, you know, say thank you to WJ for our music and Noah Bradley for our artwork. Um, you can find us at SpectologyPod on Twitter or SpectologyPod at gmail.com if you want to email us. Uh, Seth, where are you on the internets? Uh, Hugo'spodcast.com is the website for both Hugo's there and Brief and Not So Brief. If you want to tweet at me at Hugo's Podcast, that's the one I check most of the time. So even if you want to talk to me about uh, Take Me to Your Reader, start there and I can point you in the right direction. Excellent. Excellent. Cool. All right. Well, thank you again, guys. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. I also love it. Thanks for inviting me, guys. (laughs) Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. Bye.